You know what never ruins your favorite childhood movies? Animated spin-offs. Today on Writers Get Animated, we talk about animated spin-offs. Welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are talking about spinning movies into animated series. Not necessarily animated movies into animated series, but, but movies, movies into animated series. This happens a lot, whether it should be done or not. I did not mean for that to rhyme. But it happens, whether they're successful or unsuccessful. The movies or the animated series that follow. There are some... Yeah. There's some animated series that come from awful movies that beget wonderful animated series. There mm -hmm. are some great, wonderful movies that beget really, truly terrible animated series. Mm. But yeah. it happens, and it's continuing to happen. So The Croods is turning it into an animated series on Netflix next year. And it's not... 3D animated. Now we're going 3D to 2D. Which is crazy. <laughs> uh, that's what they did with Mr. Peabody and Sherman, though. So it's not offhand. But, um, Wait, did they? Yeah. They also have Tangled coming out in 2017 on Disney Channel. That's coming, and that looks to be... Um, How is... I don't understand. I haven't seen a trailer for this. It's coming out. There's artwork for it. Okay. It's, is it before? Is it after? It's is after. it during? It's after? I think it's after. But they lived happily ever after. Yeah. Now we have after the after? Well, don't you want to see what happens after they're happy? No. Why not? I don't know. And that's the big question. <laughs> when you're turning a movie into an animated series, you have three choices. You can take the movie and continue it. Continue the story on and on and on. You can say, great, we know where that movie is. We're going to go before the movie and show you how we got there. Or your third choice, you can Rosencrantz and Guildenstern the thing and happen right in the middle of the movie alongside it, contiguous to the parallel run it at the same period of time with side characters lion king one and a half being an example of a midquel a midquel or i'm going to put option four in here which we're not really going to talk about today which is doing something completely different with your animated series and the movies about we were just discussing the mighty ducks before this Oh, that's right, this fourth. Go ahead. And The Mighty Ducks is a cartoon show about superpowered ducks, and the movie's about a kids' hockey team that's live action. Starring Emilio Estevez. I haven't seen it, but that's a reason to see it. You've never seen The Mighty Ducks? No. Wow. I missed some culture as a kid. This is an ongoing theme you'll notice in our podcast. There's just going to be like these glaring gaps in my knowledge for some reason or another. But this... Um, knowledge of the Mighty Ducks cartoon show is not one of them. That's our fourth choice. So the fourth choice is you take a concept, in this case, a title about ducks who are mighty, <laughs> something to do with hockey, and throw it together. 
Fifth choice. So that was, you don't take the characters, you take the name <laughs> and you take choice. a concept. There's a fifth choice. There's the tailspin choice, where you take a show that has nothing to do with anything with the original movie and just throw the characters in there. That's true. Here's how I pitch, here's how I pitch tailspin. Here's how I imagine it. Hey, you know what movie, what things are fun? Well, I don't know. What? 1920s serials. Well, duh. Yeah. It's like this whole crazy thing that they have with Indiana Jones. That worked really well. What if we had some characters? Oh, I don't know. Let's get the Jungle Book characters (laughs) and put them in planes in 1920s serials. It writes itself. (laughs) I think that that is the uh, pitch room where it writes itself was invented, in fact. (laughs) Exactly. I want to end all my pitches. That's how I end all my <laughs> pitches. It writes itself. Only for the fifth type of spinoff. Yes. We have a lot of types. We need to come up with like more catchy names for this. <laughs> Everything's a type. There's a five types of spinoffs, and there's... What's our other one? Um, types of crossovers. Our types of crossovers and... Types of cliffhangers. Types of cliffhangers. We need more than just types. <laughs> This is our homework time for next time. Come up with a title for the types. (laughs) That are different each time instead of types. Um, So with some of these um, spinoffs, what um, do you think is successful in an animated spinoff? Something that can stand on its own. Mm. I feel like an animated series should stand on its own and make you, while we're all nostalgic for the experience of the film should be able to stand on its own without that particular film. It creates its own, I don't want to say its own separate world, but that's the decision that you're going to have to make when you make that animated series. Because if it's live action versus animated, if it's live action, turning it into an animated series, now you have to think about what that animated series world looks like. Mm -hmm. What does the world of animated real Ghostbusters look like versus the world of Ghostbusters? And sometimes you get interesting changes, like Slimer in the real Ghostbusters. Does What does it look like when you go Guardians of the Galaxy film to Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon? Apparently exactly the same. Exactly. So you make that decision. That was a conscious decision. Let's make this look exactly like this. Let's make it feel exactly like this. Um, then you also have the question, if it's animated, you are able to take the world almost as it was drawn, as it was created, and CG as it was molded, mm-hmm. and put it on our screens and in the exact same form. For a million merchandisable spinoffs, cough, cough, how to train your dragon, cough. And you can also, in your animated series based on your animated movie keep the same cast mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because now they now you don't have to have con- different contracts they can come in they can do their recordings they can do everything they don't have to do every be in every show you could write a show of this where oops star lord's not in it it's just a rocket raccoon groot episode and then, you know, everyone else takes the week off or whatever. Hmm. Something like that. But you have a little bit more flexibility going animated in that sense. 
but you will very rarely get a live action with the same cast as the animated. Like Ace Ventura or Dumb and Dumber mm. or The Mask. I'm going to think of an example now. I'm lost in thought. Um, no, I can't think of anything with that. Yeah, you just don't get the you don't get the same cast. But those are some of the big things. So today we're going to talk about two two spin-offs that we like. Mm-hmm. Personally, I I personally like mine. I don't think the world likes mine, but I personally like mine. It, I was conflicted <laughs> when it was on. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, it was so different from the world that was created in the film that it's based on. It was very much like the comic book. I think it's kind of similar to the film. It's similar. It just but it's disregards not the same world. key moments at the end of the film. It disregards a lot of the film. Okay, fine. They reference the film, though. Your example. My example is, is Men in Black, the animated series. Um, specifically honing in on. Specifically, The Alpha Syndrome, which is season one, episode four. Um, I chose this one. I did see this one as a kid. Part of why this show is special in my heart, I think, is because I started watching this as a kid. And then, for whatever reason, the late 90s in Columbus, the local WB network decided <laughs> that we can have... That they wanted to pick and choose the kids' cartoon shows they aired, and WB Corporate said, no, you can have all of them or nothing. So WB Local said, well, we'll just air no Saturday morning cartoon shows. And so I missed like this chunk of childhood of Batman Beyond and Men in Black and Pokemon, and just all these were kind of missing for three seasons for me. And so when things came back around, I could catch reruns of Men in Black and kind of catch up on the story out of order. So that's a disclaimer. This is why this is special. It's because I couldn't have it. And, and then I could have it. <laughs> Fulfillment. Um, the Alpha Syndrome, airing in November of 1997, was right after the release of the first movie. The cartoon show ends before the second movie comes out. And I would say this is the cartoon show is the second best thing in the Men in Black TV film franchise. What's the first best thing? Men in Black 1. What's the third best thing? Oh, that's hard to choose. Um, Men in Black 3? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but not by much. That's Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin alone. Josh Brolin. That song. That song was like a good throwback because it was catchy. Um, but um, this episode I think is interesting because it's not just like an Alien of the Week episode. It's like the big bad. They introduce a, a villain in this episode that hinges on a lot of things. They give us Alpha, who is um, the series antagonist of the cartoon show, number one. He comes back and back and back and back. Um, number two, he's K, Agent K's old mentor. So there's a lot of personal history there and personal story. And the he's one of the character of K. The yeah. character of K. Hmm. He's one of the founding members of the MIB. So we have the whole history and lore of the MIB tied up in this character as well. And stealing some inflection from my parents because this is what I grew up around also. He's voiced by David Warner, who talks exactly like that. He's the voice of evil in Time Bandits. And many of my favorite. Childhood things. David Warner was the voice of most every villain in almost everything. He was like the... Before Tim Curry was the villain in everything, David Warner was the villain in everything. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see Time After Time? No. It's not animated. So if you have time when you're not watching our animated episodes that we're telling you to do, um, David Warner in Time After Time, where he plays... um, uh, Jack the Ripper. Mm. 
who ends up in the 70s. Okay. Because um, H.G. Wells has created a time machine and he ends up in the 70s. How have I never heard of this movie? <laughs> this is exactly my kind of thing. It's David Warner, science fiction, and time travel. Yes. It's it's pretty remarkable. Okay. It's it's pretty remarkable. I have it's, to take a moment of our podcast. Siri, remind me to watch Time After Time. It's directed by Nicholas Meyer, who directed Star Wars 2. Okay, I'll remind you. Thank you, Siri. Continuing with our podcast about <laughs> animated TV shows. David Warner is a great voice actor. And he's part of what makes this so good and excellent. Um, the main idea of why he's so interesting is like he found this illegal alien thing that can help him magically slash surgically slash scientifically graft other alien parts onto his body. Mostly heads. Mostly heads, which is also confusing. <laughs> and they grow back. Um, so he's trying to become like this super being of all the best parts of aliens from around the universe. Well, what he says in his David Warner way... Um, I, I'm not going to do a David Warner impression, but what he says is essentially he traveled the cosmos and it expanded his mind. Ah, oh, which is such a great line. And now I wanted to expand my body. Uh, that's you did a David Warner impression. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying to say the line. It's just so easy to do David Warner. Um, um, and this this episode has a lot of the charm of Men in Black, the movie, as well. It like, does. They're trying to get this heart back for an alien, but it turns out the heart's also alive. And that's like this cutesy moment at the end, because the alien has two hearts. And they put a, the heart back in. They're like, oh, it's two hearts beating as one. Right. It's, and it's immortal. And it's immortal. It's just like, it's got that wonder and whimsical. It's a time lord that can't regenerate. Yeah. It was also like this sleazy, like, Bronx of New York stereotype. I, I feel like he solicited porn. <laughs> I, there was something about him that said, I think it just has to do with the... No, he looks like the skeezy shop owner from Futurama, the lizard guy. Right. That's what I was thinking. He, he, feel, he felt very much like that. And I think that's where I got a, he sells porn vibe from that character. <laughs> It's a word we can say on our podcast. It is. It's an appropriate thing. <laughs> the the word. The word. The word. The word. Now that we've established that, um, I like this. This I think is a great episode. This is carries on the spirit of the movie, even though it ignores that Kay left the MIB um, and he's back in the service, and Jay still is like underling. Yes, it completely ignores the last things that are established at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then Agent L also. Um, I like it? that we have a main female character. Agent L, I think, takes a very backseat kind of film noir traditional role in this cartoon series, which I have trouble with justifying. Um, she's just very like, hi, hi, Jay, I'm Agent L. What do you need today? Oh, no, we're in danger. And she's just very monotone, and that's that's her shtick. Mm -hmm. um, so I have issues with that. But overall, I think this is a pretty good spinoff otherwise. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. It threw me off, and I think a lot of the reason it threw me off is they, they chose what they wanted to keep from the movie mm -hmm. and kept, in some ways, they 
took what was going on in the movie and they froze it in time character developmental wise mm-hmm. and now that f- thing is frozen in time and those characters are frozen in those characters arcs moving forward so it's like they haven't had those character arcs from the movie yet so they're in an arrested development form yeah they it's kind of like an alternate universe sequel to the movie right they can't make it to their selves that they were at the end of the movie they're carrying on at this point where they weren't completely themselves um it, it i enjoyed it but it felt like something that didn't come after the movie like it, it, it emotionally do you know emotionally yeah. thank you yes emotionally it felt very odd in that mm-hmm. sense but i did like the episode it was very fun it there was a great mystery to it uh. which uh, it's very in keeping with the movie. And the quick clones, it's like a just they have a shtick where they have like this clone that melts after a few minutes and they dissolve and you start to tell their quick clone because they bust down into gibberish. It's just a one-off joke, then it's a two-off joke, and then it's like the main unexpected fulcrum of the episode. Yeah, it and was I like that. It was very strong. It was a very strong episode. You chose wisely. Uh, you chose wisely. Well done. Thank you. Um, your episode, I thought, was also a wise choice. Was it? Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. I, I was hoping it was. I liked it. I was hoping it was. I chose um, uh, Aladdin, the series, Some Enchanted Genie, Season 1, Episode 11. There were 86 episodes of Aladdin. 65 of which were in Season 1. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and And only 20 of them have made it to home video or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What's interesting about Aladdin is one of the creators of Aladdin and writers, um, Tad Stones, they, he, he never thought that it was a good series. Or it was, in, in a sense, he thought it was a disappointment in some ways. Mm. There was this quote that I found where he said, We're doing the, um, I don't know, I'm going to make him sound like David <laughs> Warner. Um, We're doing the teenage adventures of Hercules. We learned our lesson on Aladdin. That lesson being that it's hard to do a series after a happy ending and after a character has gone through his major character arc. Which are your problems with Men in Black, conceptually. Conceptually, no, I don't. I, well, they were saying, well, if Men in Black is saying that it's hard to do a character after they've gone through their character arc, mm-hmm. <clears throat> then they were saying, great, that character arc never happened, and then okay. they continued on with their series. Well, it's like they admitted it's too hard, and they just rewrote it to make it easier. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. We need J and K to be like this, and they're the better people. You know, they're the better partners. Because if Men in Black was actually following through on the movie. It would have been the story of J and L. Exactly. Okay. Fine. Right? <sighs> Isn't that what was established at the end of the first movie? Yeah, yeah, which was also good. I know. K was gone. I'm admitting your point. J, uh, that's point, my point. Chris. Point Thank Chris. you. I'm not looking for points, but I appreciate them. I just hand them out like candy. I don't do candy. And I don't hand much. out candy. <laughs> <laughs> So this being a problem, Ted Stones thought that it was easier to go and do a prequel than to do a sequel. Um, 
Actually, his is a midquel. Yes. Between a, Aladdin 2 and 3. Well, no. I mean, Hercules. Oh, Hercules. When they did Hercules. Yeah. Hercules happens in the middle of the Hercules movie that was a montage and now is a, a three-season series. Yeah. <laughs> it works better as a montage. If people um, were as fervently fanish about Hercules as they were Star Wars, you'd watch the first part of Hercules, pause the movie, then watch three seasons of the Hercules TV show, and then finish the movie. Right. But now we have Aladdin, which had a sequel direct-to-video, which is really the pilot of the TV series. It yeah. establishes the world of the TV series. And that's the only good thing about that sequel. It's, it establishes the TV series. We're talking about the return of Jafar mm-hmm. with all the original cast back, with one notable exception. <laughs> um, <laughs> the most memorable part of Aladdin is no longer in Aladdin 2. But Dan Castellanota does a really good job. He tries really hard to do a good job. I think he picks up steam in the cartoon show itself. He does. Yeah. He does. In the in the cartoon show, you can say, hey, there's a representation of the genie. Mm-hmm. Not, wow, there's Homer Simpson trying to sound like <laughs> Trying to sound Rob like Lewis. the genie. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels like the character. He comes into <laughs> his own. He's no longer inheriting this character. Um, but it would have been interesting to have Maurice LaMarche, who does a really in- wonderful and interesting Rob Williams-ish voice, coming in. Coming and do the genie. That was, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I don't do Robin Williams. This is a different thing. That this I'm, is Robin Williams as a genie talking about not bringing back people from the dead on our podcast, talking about not doing the genie. Right. Okay. That was a genie doing a terrible impression of the genie. A copy of a copy? It's never mm. as good as the original. Hmm. But what was interesting about this is two things. <laughs> Two things. You're limited to two, Chris. Okay. Two things that's interesting about this. One, we get, if you look at the movie Aladdin and the movie Return of Jafar as the pilots, what we're establishing is a group of adventuring friends in a kingdom. You're establishing Aladdin and Jasmine, Abu and Genie, Carpet, and Iago. Raja. And Iago. And Iago. Raja you see like twice. In the show, really? In the show. He's never really in the show. What about the Sultan? He's Sultan, in there a lot. He's not there very often. Oh, man. He's not very often. Um, but you end up with those main characters. And it's sort of about Aladdin and Jasmine and their romance. But you also get to explore other characters. And other characters get to shine. So when we get this, we're looking at Genie. And they're out in the city. And they're chasing after this new villain. Because part of what a Return of Jafar did is they got rid of Jafar as a possible villain. Mm-hmm. Which is a great move for a pilot of a TV show. Yeah. Kill the best villain you ever had. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing you could possibly do. Because then people won't be like, well, why can't he come back? Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, kill Jafar. It was brilliant. So you Which I up, won't say much about Return of Jafar as a movie, but that was brilliant. And in Return of Jafar, you establish a second-hand villain who's mm. not very smart, and you get the great oh, Abyss Maul. First name Abyss, last name Maul. Oh. 
I and love he Abby truly Small. is Abby Small. Who voices him? He's in a lot of things too. That's Jason Alexander. Yeah. That's uh. George Costanza as a villain in Agrabah. <laughs> My wife came in from the kitchen as I was watching. Is that Jason Alexander? I'm like, yes, it is. You did that in a Jason Alexander voice. Is that Jason Alexander? There you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, what's the deal with Jason Alexander <laughs> these days? He's beautiful. I know. I love Jason Alexander. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. I won't say a bad word against Jason Alexander. Uh, I hope he's not listening to this. Why would he be? <laughs> why would he be? <laughs> Jerry. Jerry, why would George Costanza listen to this? <laughs> why would anyone? For that matter. I love that I'm Jerry, but you're not George Costanza. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't know either. Um, you get Genie. <laughs> His lamp has been stolen by Abismal. Yes. Because Abismal thinks that the lamp could give him wishes. Mm. And doesn't realize that all he did was essentially house jack the Genie. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Genie doesn't live in a house. He's still... Mm-hmm. So some key information we need from the movie, from the previous two movies, for that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now, Genie, who's been freed, is now chasing after his lamp, chasing after this, and they come upon another Genie. A Genie from a bottle. Which does not look anything like the bottle from I Dream of Genie at all. Yes. Nor is the Genie's name Eden. <laughs> A reference to anybody, actress or otherwise, who may have played a genie in the past. <laughs> no. 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 We're not saying that. No. Not at all. But what's interesting about this, because that my first thing, because I said two things, what's interesting about this episode, so we have those two things as a pilot. The, the second thing that's interesting is... We're able to get Genie to fall in love immediately with this new Genie named Eden. It's Genie love. They work differently. You need two movies for Aladdin and Jasmine to evolve as a couple. You need 10 seconds of staring from a distance for Genie to fall in love. Right. And not be good at it because he's spent 10,000 years in a lamp all to himself. Because the Genie can probably... That's true. Turn into lots of people and just entertain himself. Just turn into lots of different things. That's why he's crazy. Yeah. But in that, we also get Eden, who's just as much of a crazy match for Genie, and he meets him on his level, and I think that's why they have an interesting dynamic relationship. Um, Because she's crazy. They have a whole contest about what's a better type of pizza, and they keep making pizza until they have a Pepperoni. It's a classic. Gumdrop. They're chewy. Pepperoni. I don't want to sing Gumdrop Pizza. But they make like a whole gag out of their competition and how long they, they're so similar that they're competing and then they get along because they're so similar. But she gets angry because she thinks that he's trying to take her master and he's like, no, but I'm a free genie. I'm, don't, I'm not trying to take your woman. I'm, I'm a free genie. <laughs> I'm not granting nobody's wishes. Except myself. Except myself. Myself's. Because again, he's plural. Right, because he can turn into many things. And mm-hmm. he does. And just watching that episode is just a tour de force for the animators in that. Mm-hmm. Because 
between Eden and Jeannie's shape-shifting, it's, it's an amazing work of the pencil. Pew, 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 pew. So if you want to see just transformation after transformation after transformation, and just as to the possibilities of the genie, that is, that's the episode to watch. Mm. Um, and it does get to explore those powers in that sense. But, but plot-wise, I, I was thrown a little bit by the way that Eden granted wishes. So I want to say come my favorite things. Let's talk about favorite things. Favorite things? We're favoriting. So, yep, we're favoriting. Making the favorite fingers. <laughs> favorite fingers. My favorite things in this episode was how she kept granting um, somehow the bottle ends up with Abismal, who and um, whose henchman is voiced by Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh my God! <laughs> anyway, they end up with the bottle, and he starts making wishes, and she starts granting them. And then at some point, the wish wears off. Mm -hmm. It's like what? And she said, "Well, you didn't say forever." It was like, "Oh, I see." For her to completely grant a wish, you have to say forever. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, she could let it wear off because it's a technicality. I hope that doesn't come back to bite her in the end somehow. <laughs> but um, it's just, it, it was fun to see um, the see this play out where you think that, oh gosh, he's Abismal has wished to be this most powerful, awesome thing. And he's won. Mm -hmm. He has won. And then just to undercut it two minutes later with, well, he didn't say forever, so it wore off. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that just negated that. I guess she's not really a threat um, in that sense. But then also being able to go through and have a moment when she... If we imagine a really young Aladdin, Eden gets found by a girl. I can't remember her name. I feel awful. They don't really say it a lot. They say it twice, I believe. Yeah. But they are, she, a poor girl off the streets, a street rat, finds this bottle. And she's like, she's like, I wish for a sandwich. You know, I want a sandwich. I'm hungry. She's like, no, no, think bigger. It's like, I want a big sandwich. And. She's like, nah. She's like, you're not getting it. And so she cheats this little girl and tries to help her out and said, repeat after me. I wish to never go hungry again. Mm -hmm. And teaching her how to make that kind of wish to not think of just the small. That, that moment was very moving to me. It was, no, wish for I never want to be hungry again. Mm -hmm. So, another forever moment. Another forever moment. So for her, it has to be about the forever, mm -hmm. which was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about that arc. I like that better now. So that's that's my favorite. That and um, the the pigs, Ugh. the flying pigs from outer space. When genies fall in love, they have pigs who play croquet in outer space. I think my favorite moment is when Dan Castellaneta comes into his own and just proudly announces as Genie, um, powered by flying pigs from outer space, I am a genie in love. I fear neither bullets nor intimacy. <laughs> it's just <laughs> ridiculous. 
building on top of that, and then there's like the adult joke in there also on the tail end. It's <laughs> it's what caps it off. I'm so powerful, I don't fear intimacy. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Any other favorites? In this? Um, I think it's my favoritest moment from this one that I have off the top of my head. Your favoritest? Favoritest. Awesome. Look it up. Um, <laughs> so from these two, from Men in Black and Aladdin, what have we learned? What makes a good movie spinoff? I don't know if I've learned. <laughs> you haven't learned anything. Um, you you have to have good reasons both behind why yeah. you're choosing to take the story at the point that you choose. Yeah, you need to have a good character arc to follow as well, and you need to <laughs> rewrite the end of the movie to make that work, or um, make a new one that works somehow and explore new arcs, or Mighty Ducks it, or Mighty Ducks it. <laughs> Because actually, don't Mighty Ducks it. Don't never, Mighty Ducks it. Never Mighty Ducks it. But whatever you do, you know, try to David David Warner or Tim Curry. Mm. Not that they're one of those two. Yeah, yeah. Take them with you. Whether, or Dan Castellaneta. I th- yeah. But not as a villain. Not as a villain. Actually, he was a good Megavolt. He's Megavolt oh, in yeah. Dark Red Duck. So he was Megavolt. I, was I buy. I totally buy him as a okay. villain. He works as a goofy villain. If Genie were a villain. If Genie were a villain, he'd be Megavolt. <laughs> um, so knowing what we know now, Christopher. Yes. What would you spin off into its own animated series if you had the power? If I had the power, I would Roger Rabbit the world up. Mm. I would make Roger Rabbit cartoons. Mm. I feel like it would just be constant crossovers of other cartoons on in the same Saturday morning block. If you, there were Saturday morning cartoons. You, you think you know, that Roger Rabbit would be just in everything? I could see that. Yeah. I, I would just have Roger Rabbit do all kinds of stuff. I'd have Roger Rabbit now trying to get a job. <laughs> that's the movie. That's the animated <laughs> series I would make. 2D animation is going out of style <gasps> and now Roger Rabbit is trying to find work. It's the animation equivalent of the movie The Artist, the most forgettable best picture winner in recent history. Yes. But going from silent films to talkies. Mhm. Are you writing this movie for them cuz I think that's a great idea. I don't know what I've just done. That, that I was going to lean in close to the microphone and copyright that somehow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's any way to copyright that. Literally, none of that is your idea. Uh, Originally, no. It's you just a, put it together in the right order. Uh, I shouldn't have listened to that podcast about 2D animation this morning. <laughs> yeah, it'd be about Roger Rabbit. Okay, coming into his own now that he's jobless, and being the first season. Uh, first half is him learning to be at home again, mm. you know, but Jessica still somehow has the job. She's, uh, she's found a job, um, as a reporter. Of course she has. She's a, she's an ace reporter. She's a modern woman. Yeah. And she's out of town a lot. So Roger's at home on his own, keeping house and doing things at home. And it's him coming to terms with that for a while. Um, Eddie Valiant has moved away from California with Doris, so actually he's dead by now. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Valiant died a long time ago. <laughs> but he does, uh, he is pen pals with Eddie's children. Freddie. Freddie Valiant. 
Eddie and Freddie. Yeah. Freddie Valiant and um, Darla. This is daughter. Daughter Darla. Okay. I'd watch it. Everyone would. Everyone would. <laughs> what about you, Ken? What would you spin off? Mm. Arthur Miller's The Crucible. Arthur Miller's The Crucible. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. It writes itself. It does. It writes itself. It's an animated spinoff of Arthur Miller's The Crucible. Okay. Well, here's, would... here's my theory. Okay. Um, if the Mighty Ducks can be about superpowered ducks and not anything like the movie, um, but it's suggested by the title, I think that the animated Crucible could be about teenage witch girls in colonial America. And the adventures that they have. So it's sort of... They're both about witches and whether or not that they're around. Would you go, are they Hocus Pocus witches or... Not quite that silly. I think there's some danger to what they're doing. It's kind of like... Sabrina? Uh, it's like Sabrina... It's a Buffy-ish kind of... I'm going to go with Sabrina meets Buffy meets something like... Um, where they're on the run and survivory a lot. Um... Lost, but like animated Lost, <laughs> mixed with Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, with all of the existentialism of Arthur Miller's The Crucible. You you're right. It does write itself. You're welcome, America. And on that, let's talk about homework time. <laughs> Your homework time. Next week, we're going to be talking about Scooby-Doo. Where are you? Initially. Initially. I was going to say, where are you when you're listening to our podcast? Oh, you were Oh, you were asking them where they yeah. will be. I was talking about Scooby-Doo, where are you? We're going to be talking about, for your homework, episode one of season one of Scooby-Doo, where are you? The very first episode of Scooby-Doo. What a night for a connect. I don't what a night for a night, but I wanted to make sure that they look up tonight. Then we're going to be looking at the most recent season of Scooby-Doo. Um, be cool, Scooby-Doo. And the first episode of that mystery 101 of be cool, Scooby-Doo for your homework for homework time for next time. As always, thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our engineer, and Jacob Reed for the music. Find us and talk to us and tell us what you would spin off into an animated TV series. Um, let us know on Twitter, at WGAnimated, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash WGAnimated. Not Raiders Get Animated? No, just WG Slash WG Animated. <laughs> also, also, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating on iTunes and keep on listening. That's a new, that's a new thing. <laughs> just came out of your mouth. I, I just said that. Oh, good night, everybody. <laughs>